Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends and neighbors. Good to see you again, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Well, if we thought all congressional committee hearings were boring... If we thought that we already knew all the facts about what happened on January 6, 2021, and if we thought we knew how truly evil Donald Trump was, how wrong we were. Both hearings so far of the January 6 special committee have been blockbuster events, laying out the most complete description of the destruction and carnage that happened that day, and based mainly on testimony from former top White House aides placing Donald Trump right smack in the middle of it. As Congresswoman Liz Cheney said, he was the man who summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. So in today's podcast, we dive into what we've learned so far from these two hearings with two special guests. A little later, we'll talk to committee member Zoe Lofgren of California, who led the questioning during the second hearing on June 13. But first, we turn to David Korn, Washington bureau chief for the great Mother Jones, who was actually in the room during both of the January 6 hearings. David Korn, good to talk to you again, and thank you for joining us on the Bill Press Pod. Great to be with you, Bill. So, David, uh, January 6 hearings. Uh, day one, it looked like the goal was to uh, remind us of the reality of what happened on January 6th in very powerful terms and place Donald Trump right in the center of those events. And day two yesterday, um, showing that, uh, proving that Donald Trump knew he had lost the election but lied about it anyway and is still lying about it. Uh, how'd the committee do on the meeting those two goals? Well, let's start with the first day, the first night, prime time, prime time right. congressional hearing we don't have. I thought they did a great job. Um, I don't think this job is about persuading people who believe the election was stolen and Trump will be restored any day now into believing that's not the case. Uh, I think this is about affirming reality in the face of Donald Trump's disinformation campaign. And you do that for the people who are there with you, but may not know all the details. And maybe some people on the margins who don't pay a lot of attention to this and haven't you know, really sussed out where they, what they think about this. But if you do a powerful hearing, tell a powerful, powerful story, you convince them you know, to take this more seriously. You don't change their mind, but you get them thinking about what it really meant and what the implications and consequences are of January 6th and the whole big lie crusade of Donald Trump. And I think the committee, uh, you know, they got 20 million households watching um, last week, which is uh, gigantic for 
you know, TV news these days, sort of like the Super Bowl of, of congressional hearings, right? And so, they, I, I, so I think that really, and they did a good job presenting the story in a clear, concise, coherent, integrated way. So, well, you know, what the, whether it's going to have the impact they want, I don't know. But I think they did every, just about everything right to have the chance of having that impact. And so it was very emotional being there last week, uh, being in the room in the Capitol Hill complex where the attack had happened with people in the room who had been there that day, including yeah. you know the witness, uh, mm-hmm. the Capitol Hill police officer, but also members of Congress, other Capitol Hill police officers who were working that night doing security in the room and in the Capitol. And I, you know, and I know every time I see those videos again, you know, you don't watch them every day. It does make me incredibly angry that this happened, that some of these people who incited it got away, have so far gotten away with it. And that there's still an argument with Republicans downplaying or dismissing what happened that day. So I think it's good to get the juices going again. And then, you know, and they laid out everything that was going to happen. They did a good job of teasing, you know, you in the media business, Bill, you right. know what a good tease means, right? Right, uh, yeah. Did a great job of teasing what was Absolutely. coming up. And then yesterday, um, the, you know, the the second hearing, you know, daytime hearing, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the big grand opening. It was, okay, now we get down to business and they're chopping up the story into particular thematic sections. And this, as, as you noted, was, Donald Trump was told repeatedly by people in his inner circle that uh, there was not fraud, uh, that the counting of votes that he considers fraud is, you know, would not be fraudulent, and that he indeed had lost the election. Um, So it's not as if he was misinformed when he started telling people that the election was stolen. And, you know, to me, I'm not sure they made enough of this point uh, as as past they could have, but on election night, before anyone even knew anything, you know, hey, people in his own campaign, his own campaign manager Bill Stepien, yeah. who testified to the committee but wasn't there yesterday because his wife was in labor, went into labor maybe conveniently, but <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he, they all told Trump, you know, we don't know what the results are at this point in time. They're still counting. The counting they're doing now is legitimate, is not fraudulent. We told you right. weeks yeah. ago that they'd be counting late into the night, particularly mail-in ballots in states that are not allowed to count mail-in ballots mm-hmm. until the evening of election day. Um, and that there was you know, no, no indication that there was anything untoward happening. They all told him that. One drunk guy. Allegedly drunk guy, Rudy Giuliani said, "Go out there and claim victory." Now, I don't think Trump needed to be egged on by drunk Rudy because for months, going back, and the committee did point this out, um, he had been saying the only way he could lose would be right. through fraud. That basically right. he would win, and so he was prepared to do this from the get-go. But before there could even be a scintilla of evidence. He got out there, started calling fraud, and the whole Trump cult, you know, the conservative movement, the conservative media, all started moving behind this 
bogus charge for which there is not and still has never been any evidence. So I, I, I think you know, pointing this out, again, telling the story, affirming some of the obvious things. Now, there, the committee is good at putting out information that a lot of us haven't seen before, but the big story, Trump lied, Trump caused the riot, Trump plotted in several different ways to overthrow the election, to overturn the election results. All that, all that's known. And there's a lot of evidence out there to show that. But so the, the committee still is giving us new evidence and new testimony to buttress uh, those key points um, and also trying thematically to just, you know, hammer those points home. How effective is it, do you believe, in using as their witnesses, and I think exclusively so far, uh, top White House aides, right? These are not Democratic operatives, Democratic senators. Yeah. They're Trump's people. Well, Bill Barr has been one of the you know most effective witnesses um, against Trump by saying, describing meetings that he had with Trump again and again and again when he said, no, that's bullshit. That's not right. That you know, we we looked at that charge. You know, there wasn't a secret suitcase full of ballots. It was a lockbox of ballots, and they were there as they should have been. I mean, he you know tells us that repeatedly, you know, he had his Justice Department did look at all the allegations that were being tossed out. They found no credibility for any of them, and he was conveying this, you know, every couple of weeks yep. to Trump, right. who then would say, "You must hate Trump." You know, uh, I mean, the, the degree of, you know, I don't know, it's either delusion, uh, psycho, you know, psychopathy, psychopathy um, you know, I, I don't know what else we would call this, that Trump demonstrates in this period is, is really not just excessive, it's extremely frightening to think that the guy um, who, who, who would either lie and, or believe these conspiracy theories was a guy in charge of our nuclear weapons and who may become president again someday um, is quite alarming. So, you know, but, you know, and Barr wasn't the only one. Other people told him this. And what, one thing that the committee's doing that's really interesting, Bill, is, you know, they, they're not bringing Bill Barr to testify in person where he could ramble on for yeah. two hours and then make, make sure that he attacked the Democrats Right, just right. to look even-handed, and you know, they're 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 taking the depositions that he gave to the committee that were videotaped, and using the significant portions. So they're in some in a way they're creating their own sound bites, then something they have control Absolutely. over, and streamlining the process rather than having Bill Barr up there for two hours to get yeah. him to say one thing that will make the headlines the next day. Hey, we got the the headline generating material mm -hmm. right here. They did the same thing with Bill Stepien, because a lot of these guys still want to preserve their Republican street cred, right? Even right. if they're saying something that's not good for Donald Trump. So um, they're not being the chance to do that. I think it's been very smart, and it makes the the hearing infinitely shorter, <laughs> which, right. is, which keeps, yep. people, uh, keep, yep. keeps people's attention a little bit more locked onto it. Right. Uh, and I thought Bill Stepien was very effective, too. We've not heard from him at all in this last year or so or more since January 6th, right? And and yeah. he was clear yesterday, uh, proud to be part of what he called Team Normal, right? Yeah, but I, <laughs> let's not 
by his self-rehabilitating presentation. <laughs> he called himself Team Normal to di to di differentiate himself from, I guess, Team Crazy, which would be Rudy Giuliani, City Pal, and others yeah. who had the crazy conspiracy theories about Dominion voting machines, uh, Venezuela being involved, an Italian satellite hacking the election, vote harvesting farms in Germany that I don't even understand what these are. We don't send votes to Germany <laughs> to be counted. And trucks appearing with hundreds of thousands of, of, of pre-cast, uh, pre-marked ballots. I mean, whatever. I mean, he tried to say well, that wasn't us and, you know, they backed away when Trump gravitated towards the you know, crazies around Rudy Giuliani. But big, big, big but here. You know, between you know Election Day and January 6th, the Trump campaign, which Bill Stepien was still part of, um, the RNC, all the other Republican groups were sending out fundraising notes every day saying the election was stolen. Every right. day they raised... Trump raised yep. $250 million. And did any of them go on the Bill Press podcast or <laughs> CNN or MSNBC or even right. Fox News and say what Trump is saying is wrong? We know he, it's crazy. Our team looked at the data, which it did, and we didn't find any evidence of significant fraud. Did Bill, you know, Bill Barr came out once and said something once to the AP. So I guess he gets a little, you know, dispensation here. But all these other people, Kellyanne yep. Conroy says she told the president the election wasn't stolen. Well, did she tell the American public that? No. Bill Stepien didn't come forward. None of these guys. They sat around on their hands, many of them collecting money, fundraising off this mm -hmm. issue, while Bill, uh, well, excuse me, while Donald Trump was out there delegitimizing the election and basically waging war on American democracy. So they're all, I guess I could curse on a podcast, but I won't. But they're all, they're all damn cowards. Yeah. And um, they're all uh, enablers, right? Or co-conspirators, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Now, so let's get to the central question here that you and I have been asking and you and your columns have been asking. Where does this all lead? And there was a little kerfuffle yesterday when the chairman briefly at least said we're not going to have any criminal referrals to the Justice Department. David, why the hell, I, I won't use the F word either, but, you know, why the hell not? And and uh, and then, of course, Liz Cheney and Zoe Lofgren, uh, and I think one or two others said, oh, we haven't really decided that yet. I mean, they must, they have to refer to the Justice Department, don't they? Well, I'm not sure they have to. I, mean, I don't mean I, legally. Yeah, I just yeah, mean yeah. morally. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, morally is is an issue. You know, question also might be politically, um, if they if they if they if they, if that would help or hurt the mm -hmm. the, the calculations um, in terms of what the Justice Department has to do. Um, so, um, and I you know I and I can I can play that both ways. So, uh, in terms of whether that helps or hurts Merrick. Garland's or you know how it affects Merrick Garland's decision on on what what to do um you know in some ways putting forward a very very strong case and even you know presenting a legal analysis about how this may or may not violate these laws um and just leaving it that in some ways could be more powerful than here we want you to do this you know I'm, I'm you know I'm just arguing 
that that, okay. that side of it. So yeah. I so I don't know. The law on some of this stuff is not as clear because it has to also do with with intent. And if Trump is really delusional, then it's hard to you know bring up intent. I, and there are d- different aspects to this. One thing that I've always thought, and we're going to see this. Um, I believe they go into this in the hearing tomorrow, was that the efforts that Trump made to um, get the Justice Department, excuse me, to get the Mm -hmm. Justice Department to declare the election fraudulent in some ways might might provide the most legal um, difficulty for him, criminal, um, in terms of trying to defraud government and basically encourage fraud within the government. Um, it's a great, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this is when he basically put pressure on the acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen, after, who was there after Bill Barr resigned. And he, he threatened to put a guy, an environmental lawyer who worked at the d- department um, called Jeffrey Clark um, in as act, you know, fire the, act, the, the acting attorney general, put, the, put Jeffrey Clark in because Clark would, you know, declare the election fraudulent. Again, on the basis of no evidence. And so, you know, that to me, you know, you know, you know, raises, you know, there are all sorts of criminal statutes that that might have violated and there could be a really strong case there. So I want to see if the committee brings up new evidence or how they, how, how it sort of conveys that story to see um, how strong the criminal case might be on that front. So, um, you know, I, I I understand Merrick Garland's hesitancy and cautious cautiousness on, on this regard, but I do think as more evidence comes out, uh, we're getting you know closer to what should be an unavoidable unavoidable situation. I mean, I do believe that if they um, were to indict Trump. Or people around him, uh, you know, uh, for you know anything related to overturning the election on January sixth, it would be the equivalent of political nuclear war. That's I don't say that as something that they shouldn't do, but it would you know I I, I understand the hesitancy here, and you know to totally argue the other side. I'm not saying this is where I would come down on this. You know there is an argument that you know, a lot of this is in the public realm. And, you know, these involve, you know, crimes, but they, you, know, you call them political crimes, and that the American people have enough information to basically render a verdict here. Um, so you could, you know, perhaps say we're going to leave this to the public to decide and now that they have all the information. Now, that doesn't happen if you rob a bank, correct? Or if you, you know, if you and I cheat on our taxes, we could go to jail. We don't leave it up to, um, you know, to uh, elections to decide. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I know a lot of my friends just immediately think that there should be indictments tomorrow. And I would love to see that as well. And I think you can make the case for that. Right. But I also think that it's a little bit more complicated than some people um, want to see it as that's a little I'm, I'm slightly contrarian on this point but not totally contrarian okay uh i take your point at the same time you can put me on the list of those who think that uh, merrick garland should indict him tomorrow and should have done it six months ago but uh, that's another debate you and i could have i just yeah, want to i think I it's an wanna, interesting conversation i just want to ask you they laid 
dropped one other possible criminal charge yesterday, which I would argue is certainly not the most serious, but that is phony fundraising, right? Going out there and defrauding people to give money for a cause and for a committee that basically didn't exist. Yeah, it was the official election defense fund uh, that they they raised money, but and people were noting at the time when you know when this was happening. I I, I think I wrote about this, and the other people wrote about it. That if you read the fine print on the fundraising notices, it, the money was going to his Save America pack, not to any official election defense defense fund. Um, and so you know, unfortunately. You know, if you look at the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, you know, it's basically moribund in terms of you know, oh, yeah. you know, totally. investigating anything, especially anything that has a really sharp yeah. partisan nature. Um, fundraising, political fundraising has long been granted tremendous, you know, leeway by the Justice yeah. Department, by others. So, I mean, I think that, you know, I think there is fraud here. I think there was a lot of grift going on, as there always has been in the Trump universe. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact <laughs> that Trump, you know, raised so much money at this time um, for his campaign and also for the other Republican entities is one reason why Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, after declaring January 6th was one of the worst things to happen in the Republic and Trump should be held accountable either by pushing him to resign or impeachment or censure or whatever, quickly turned tail and McCarthy ran down to Mar-a-Lago <laughs> and posed with Trump smiling with him and McConnell gave one speech and then a few weeks later said that he would support Trump and if he was the nominee in 2024. Um, I think one reason that they saw that he had all this fundraising power. And if the Republican yep. party didn't have access to that, mm -hmm. they would be up the Creek. Um, they want, they want him to be signing fundraising notes for them. And if they impeached him or, or, or called him in to you know, basically tried to throw him out of the party, a, it probably wouldn't work on um, the people would stay with him, create a third party, an independent thing. And that B certainly wouldn't be, wouldn't be raising money for them. So I think that's a part of the political side of this. And I'm glad that the um, committee brought it up. Uh, but again, mm -hmm. it was not just Trump doing this. It was the entire Republican establishment. Um, I mean, I still, you know, every day I get sometimes dozens of emails from <laughs> on the mailing list from Republican groups. And they call, you know, the committee a witch hunt. They, you know, refuse to, you know, re take January 6th. Or, you know, seriously, they, they keep advancing the, you know, Trump's big lie. Um, and so it's still there. It's still going on. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just ask you, uh, wrap up with this question, the overused question, but an important one, uh, which is, you know, we have, what, two or three or four more hearings to go. Uh, at the end of the day, is this going to, to use the overused phrase, move the needle politically at all, these hearings, do you think? Capac you know, capacity to do so? I I you know, I don't think, as I said earlier, it you know, it will change the mind of any Trump cultist. They're not gonna wake up and go, Oh my goodness, they're yeah. right. The January sixth was awful and Trump yeah. tried to overturn the election. I guess there wasn't fraud for these last, you know, almost two years. I've been wrong. Yeah. That's not the way people mm -hmm. work. Um, but what I I do think, you know. 
to the you know as you know every democrat particularly house democrats run a campaign that they think is best for their district right on the issues that they think move people in this in this instance you know um some of us have said that the democrats really need to make the threat to democracy a, a key issue i understand that you know that will play in some areas and not in other areas um the hearings i think give people who you know democratic candidates who want to do that more ammunition they you know it, it, it's making the story a little more prominent a little bit easier to understand more coherent and so if you want to talk you know and it's really you know because they've they've had time to think about how to do this the committee you know and Liz Cheney's been particularly good at this I have to say regrettably uh, you, know, <laughs> you know they've been very good at sort of figuring out how to talk about this you know she has come yeah. out and said there are seven different plots right that Trump engaged in to over over to turn the election now you know you and I pay attention to the news and you know each new uh, news bite or scooplet that comes out and we can kind of put things together. But for most people, something comes out about what happened to the Justice Department. Something comes out what happened with fake electors in Michigan. Something comes out about what Trump was told in October, then in November, then, you know, in December. Yeah. You know, and it's really hard to, you know, keep it all together. So the committee, by telling this, creating a narrative and reinforcing a narrative, makes it easier for people who want to argue the case on, you know, in terms of the political campaigns that come out. And I do think, you know, to those in-betweeners, with which there are very few in politics these days, it may just, you know, get them to think, if they weren't thinking that, that Trump really tried to do something wrong, that maybe, maybe he did. So, you know, in general, there's not a lot of room for the needle to move these days mm -hmm. to begin with. So it's un so it's unfair to, to to ask the committee, are you going to move a needle that doesn't move much? Uh, but I think they've done everything up to date possible to tell a good story and create a good narrative that is that counters Trump's relentless disinformation propaganda campaign, you know, BS. Because he's out there literally every day, right? Saying yep. the election was stolen, it's fraudulent, and Biden, whatever you think, can't waste his time responding every day to this. You know, he's done a couple of speeches periodically, but he's running the country. He's worried about you know inflation, infant formula, Ukraine. It's you know there's no competing megaphone to Trump's megaphone, and Trump knows that the essence of the big lie is just repeating it over and over again and getting louder, louder, louder. And Democrats, you know, aren't good at that. And, you know, you kind of feel foolish doing that sometimes. But he has realizes that if you put right. shame to the side, yeah. you can get a lot of things done. Yeah. And so this isn't a tit for tat in which the Democrats are out there screaming as loudly and as absurdly as he is every day about this. But it is somewhat of a, I hate this word, pushback or just counter programming mm -hmm. is probably a better way to put it to what Trump is doing. So it has merit in that. And, you know, it certainly falls into the category of it doesn't hurt.
<laughs> exactly. David Korn, you have your own newsletter. You've got the great Mother Jones. How can people uh, keep track of you when uh, you're not great. right here on the bill? Yeah, the, the newsletter is called Our Land. You can get a free trial subscription go by going to David <clears throat> by going to davidcorn.com. That's you know, David Corn, corner with a C dot com. Um, a lot of my stuff is up on motherjones.com. And if you um, aren't put off by Twitter, you can follow me at David Corn DC at Twitter. Uh, it's not David Corn, it's David Corn DC. Someone beat me to David Corn, and he doesn't tweet with that handle. So, <laughs> all right. We will I follow am. you and appreciate your good work as always. Thanks, David. Good to talk today. And we'll uh, got a few more hearings coming up. Maybe we'll connect again. Good. Thank you, Bill. Hey, friends, let's not forget, while we're so consumed with news here from Washington, let's not forget there is a war still raging in Ukraine. People are still fleeing, and Jose Andres and his World Central Kitchen are still on the front lines, passing out hot meals and a lot of other help to refugees in Poland, in Ukraine, and other nearby countries. And that's one way we can help. So go to the website. We've talked, encourage you to do this before. Uh, it's one way we can send uh, our help to these people and to Jose Andres. Go to the website, wck.org. It's easy, wck.org, and send whatever help you can. Thank you. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back now with Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California, who led the questioning on day two of the January 6th committee hearing. But we talked to her the morning after the first prime time hearing to get her reaction. Congresswoman, so good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Press Pod. Sure. Glad to be here. So, Congresswoman, do you believe that the committee uh, accomplished its goal in the first primetime public hearing? Well, it's hard to know. When you're a participant in an event, it's not possible to really appreciate 
you know, how it's being received. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that uh, we did deliver the message we hope to, outlining what we uh, plan to be able to prove in the remainder of the hearings, um, showing the video of uh, the riot with um, new footage. I thought that the testimony um, from the officer who'd been injured was very powerful. So this was not just a random event. It was planned long in advance, obviously coordinated, and it had a purpose, which was uh, to keep the president who lost the election in power. Also, it seemed that the uh, purpose, one purpose of the hearing last night was to really focus on the role of Donald Trump. Uh, The chairman, Benny Thompson, uh, spoke to that in his opening statement, and certainly the vice chairman, Liz Cheney, did as well. Uh, that was a that was a, a, a deliberate plan on the part of the committee, correct? Yes. Yes, it was. How, criti- how critical was the president's role uh, leading up to, during, and after the events of January 6th? Well, I think it's clear that if the president had been involved, had, had not been involved, that none of this would have happened. Um, he, as, as Liz pointed out, he assembled uh, and um, wound up and lit the flame. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure you saw the section where one of the rioters is reading his tweet aloud over a megaphone. Right. Uh, the individuals who came did so at his request, and they did it for a purpose, to overturn the election. Do you believe that, have you seen any evidence so far, to the extent you can tell us, of any criminal conduct on the part of the president? Well, you know, we did have a judge looking at the Eastman effort to withhold information, make a judicial finding that it was more likely than not that um, crime and fraud had occurred. So I'll just go with that for the time being. And as you know, we're a legislative committee. We don't make the criminal law findings, but certainly that judge made that finding. Could the committee pass this on, your findings, to the Justice Department, and then they could act on them if they felt it appropriate? Sure. I mean, we haven't made a, a decision on whether or not somehow make a, you know, people say make a referral. Mm-hmm. There's really no process for that. I mean, we could send a letter um, the Justice Department, and we may. I mean, um, we, as I said, we haven't made a decision, and we probably won't until all of the evidence has been presented. Um, but really, it's a decision that the DOJ needs to make, and we will, at the appropriate time, make available all our evidence to them. Do you have any information that the Justice Department is conducting its own investigation into, uh, I mean, certainly they're looking at the, the people who stormed the Capitol. Uh, are they looking at uh, Donald Trump and the people around him? Well, I can't say that because they're not sharing with us what they're doing. And it's actually, it's appropriate that they're not sharing with us. That's not the way they're supposed to operate. Um, But I think if you take a look at the indictments for seditious conspiracy, it does uh, make you wonder whether they aren't actually moving beyond the... uh, the individual rioters uh, that consume most of the criminal court proceedings uh, to date. So they're now looking at, you know, how was this organized? 
And if they do, uh, I think they will find that it could not have been organized without the involvement of the White House. One of the most effective parts of the first hearing, uh, I believe, and most of the people that I've talked to believe, were the witnesses, mainly those witnesses from Donald Trump's own White House, right? His own circle, uh, his own top aides, including his former uh, attorney general. Were you surprised at some of the things you learned from them about Trump's role? Well, I, um, you know, I was at the time. I mean, uh, a lot of our witnesses are going to be on videotape because, I mean, we've had like over a thousand witnesses. We can't have a thousand people come in as, as right. live witnesses. Yeah. Um, but Ms. Cheney and I participated in the interview of Attorney General Barr, it went for about two and a half hours. And so all of, I knew, I mean, I was there for yeah. the entire interview. Uh, it's impossible for each member to be at each interview. For one thing, they're held simultaneously. So you have three or four going on any mm -hmm. one day. Uh, and then also we have other things we have to do, we have other assignments. So um, we're trying to get caught up for the interviews that we can't sit in on by reading transcripts. It's huge, huge amount of information. In some cases, the staff is able to um, whittle down the important pieces. I mean, you might have a six or seven hour interview, but only, you know, an hour or two of really pertinent information. Uh, some uh, witnesses, it's amazing what people think they can't remember at this point in some cases. Um, but trying to drill down, I mean, honestly, if I had a conversation with the president of the United States, I'm absolutely positive I would remember it. Um, but anyhow, we um, we put in a lot of work to to know our evidence so that we can present it in a in an orderly way. Well, for a lot of people, uh, I mean, it was well known that Bill Barr had testified in front of the committee, but still, uh, the. I guess the directness of his statement surprised a lot of people. Looking ahead in the next few hearings, uh, are there any other uh, big surprises? Uh, Jason Miller was another surprise. Ivanka Trump was another surprise. Right. Uh, any other big surprises you well, might? I, almost all of our witnesses are Republicans um, hmm. because they're, they're the ones who were there in a position to see. Uh, so it is, uh, it's Trump world that are the witnesses for the most part. Would that include, or could that possibly include former Vice President Mike Pence? I, we have not um, secured his testimony at this point. And uh, th there's discussion underway. We have received a huge amount of information about what the Vice President knew and what he did from people very close to him. So. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily clear that we need him to come in at this point, but uh, we're certainly keeping that open. Because there certainly was a thread, if you look at what Mark Short said, if you look yeah. at what General Milley said, yeah. and, if, and if you look at the clip that you played of Mike Pence himself, right, that there was a real split between Donald Trump and Mike Pence, right up to and including the day of the insurrection, uh, and Liz Cheney even quoting someone to the White House saying that Donald Trump said maybe they should have hung Mike Pence. I'm right. 
Uh, is that something the committee will continue to explore? Well, uh, perhaps. I mean, obviously, that information about the president saying, you know, maybe maybe he should have been hung would, would not be something that the vice president would have been aware of. Right. He was being uh, uh, protected at a secure location in the Capitol complex. And um, so he wouldn't have known about that. Right. In his opening statement, Chairman Thompson talked about the ongoing threat to democracy, basically saying it's not over, right? right. January 6th is not over. Uh, do you believe that? And what does that mean? I think the uh, Chairman Thompson is correct. This threat is not over. And it's one of the reasons why uh, this investigation is important, not just to find out what happened from a historical perspective, but also to protect the country in the future. Uh, we have some of our colleagues uh, who are continuing to, as Liz, as Liz um, mentioned, to try to defend the indefensible. They are apparently are still in a mode where they would be willing to overturn the votes of the people. Uh, and select a president of their choice instead of the voters' choice. That's a danger. Um, we have the former president and his allies trying to put in key positions around the country officials who will not do an honest count um, or legislative bodies that will throw out the votes of the people and replace them with who they want to be president. So these are serious problems. And I think for the most part, the public is not aware of them. Uh, hopefully, the, the information will be more um, widely known at the conclusion of these hearings. And you mentioned the American people may not know this, but do you think the American people still care what happened on January 6th? Or, you know, we're known for being having a collective case of ADD or the American people have just moved on? Or should they care? Should they care? I think they should care, and I think most people do care. I mean, you know, whatever your political outlook, whether you're conservative or liberal or in between, you should love the United States and you should love our, our system of, of democracy. That's important. People have given their lives to preserve and protect this constitutional system, and I think most Americans believe in that. But uh, unfortunately, we had a former president who uh, who lied to his supporters and whose lies uh, were successful and a, a real disservice to people who were loyal to him. And I think it's important that the actual facts be made available. And, you know, people can, you know, have concern if they're conservative and want to elect conservatives, that's up to them. But that's a, a different question than overturning the Constitution. So that, that threat, that threat uh, does, in fact, continue. What do you say to your Republican colleagues, Congresswoman, who try to blame this on uh, the Capitol Police not being prepared, or try to blame it on Nancy Pelosi, or try to say it's no big deal? Well, I in, in order, reverse order, obviously it was a big deal if you saw the uh, video of the violence and the attack last night, um, this was a big deal. Many people were injured 
and uh, they came close to disrupting the actual count of the uh, electoral count. It's absurd, you know, and they must know they're lying because, uh, number one, the Speaker of the House doesn't run the police department any more than Mitch McConnell, who was then the majority leader in the Senate. He doesn't run the police either. And the fact that they're trying to say, well, this is Nancy Pelosi <laughs> instead of it's Mitch right. McConnell is obviously absurd. But in in for, in both of their cases, the police are overseen by statute by a police board that is made up of the architect of the Capitol, the sergeant at arms of the Senate, and the sergeant at arms of the House. And just as a matter of fact, all three of those officials and on January 6th, uh, 2021, had been appointed by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, the architect of the Capitol was appointed by uh, Donald Trump. The sergeant uh, of ar- at arms in the Senate had been appointed by McConnell. And the sergeant at arms of the House had been appointed by Paul Ryan, uh, and it was a holdover from that area. So it was three Republican appointees. Yeah. And clearly mistakes, serious mistakes were made. Um, but the riot didn't occur because they made mistakes. Uh, and to blame the police officers after the hell they went through to, to protect our lives is just despicable. Uh, and I think that came true after listening to Officer Caroline Edwards last night, right? What she herself experienced, uh, and, and then to, to believe that some people may blame her and her colleagues. Uh, despicable is the good word for it. This is the first uh, hearing, several more to go, Congresswoman. Uh, we appreciate very much the good work that you and other members of the committee are doing, and especially appreciate your taking some time out uh, to uh, tell us about it today here on the Bill Press Pod. Thanks, Congresswoman. We'll visit again soon. Thanks. And that's it for today's podcast with Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren and David Korn. Thanks to both of them. And of course, thanks to all of you for joining in. Now, we'll be back with our Reporters Roundtable end of the week, but on Thursday this week, not Friday. Uh, and we'll be coming to you Thursday after the third hearing of the January 6th committee. So our reporters will have a chance to watch that hearing and to comment on it as well. We'll talk about uh, all the work of the January 6th committee hearing, plus an update on negotiations in the Senate. Yeah, a bipartisan group of senators have come up with a pretty weak compromise bill, but now they may not even be able to round up enough votes to pass that little piece of you-know-what in the Senate. Uh, big roundtable coming up. So enjoy yourselves. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Come back on Thursday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod and our Reporters Roundtable.